Well, good morning, Riverside family. It is so fun to join you this morning in your homes, in your living rooms, wherever you find yourself. You've heard it already multiple times this morning, but I just wanted to tell you again, we're so grateful that you have invited us into your home this morning to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Truly, this is a Sunday that is very unusual that we have not experienced before, at least in my lifetime. And so we are grateful for you joining us and tuning us in to not only explore, but to experience this resurrection life that Jesus Christ has to offer us. Today is real simple. It's about really just one thing and one thing alone, and that's about being new. Actually, I think that you and I are people that crave the new, aren't we? We love to get new things. We chase after that feeling of new all of the time. No doubt, if you're like me, even in this season of kind of social distancing and being quarantined at my house, I have been going through project after project and working in the yard and painting stuff and getting all these things ready. And I think that just speaks to like there's hardwired inside all of us. Part of our DNA is that we love to see and experience new things. I love when Amazon Prime shows up at my doorstep. And so today we're going to be talking about that new. And I know that if you're like me, you more than likely have found yourself getting that kind of cycle of chasing that new feeling. And what I believe is on God's heart for us, the people of God this morning, as we come to celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Better than chasing some feeling of new, God has made a way where there was no way that we don't have to chase the feeling of new, but that you and I can be made brand new from the inside out. And so today, real simply, that's what we're going to be dialing into. That's what we're going to be leaning into and talking about this morning is this idea of being brand new. And I think, friends, it has actually everything to do with this flower right here. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't keep plastic flowers alive in my house. I, I, honestly, I picked these up yesterday. I have no idea what they are. I couldn't tell you the first thing about them. Um, growing flowers for me, I don't know if that's an easy thing for you. I can't do it at all. But I know the process is pretty simple. Um, you don't need a whole lot um, to make it happen. You got to have, obviously, just a couple of few ingredients like soil and sun and some water. But the most important thing that you got to have are the seeds. You got to have the seeds. That's what produces the life. If you don't have the seeds, there's no life. All those other things are just meaningless. The seeds are what produces the life of the flower. Now, I, I, I want to take you back to middle school. So if you got like students in your house, I want you just to blurt it out as soon as you know the answer. But did you know that there is a process, the seed actually has to do something that only the seed can do to become the flower? Do you remember what that process is called? Spit it out right now if you do. That's right, germination. Come on, we're in the house this morning. Germination. Here is the part that you might have missed. That seed has to do something that only the seed can do. The seed actually 
has to give up being a seed to become something that it was intended to become. This seed right here actually has to die to become what it was meant to become. Now, what in the world does that have anything to do with Easter Sunday? And I'll just tell you right now, friends, I think it has everything to do with what we're going to be talking about this morning, with what it means to be made new. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go over to John chapter 12. We'll also have it up on your screens for you this morning. And so just to give you a little context of where we're going to be jumping into this, to this passage, into our story, it's, it's Holy Week. The, the city has swollen for Passover, and Jesus is riding into town to the applause of the people, and they are chanting, Hosanna, Hoshana, Hoshana, which means God saves us. And Jesus, in this moment, gathers his disciples together, and he wants to teach them this important lesson. And so let's look at what it says in the scriptures. Starting in verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, truly, catch this part, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will only remain a single seed. But if it dies, catch this part, it will produce many more seeds. And then Jesus says this, anyone, brothers, sisters, anyone who loves their life they will lose it. But anyone, while anyone who hates their life in this world will find eternal life. Now, that word hate there is, is a pretty strong word for us, isn't it? It carries with it this idea of to reject, to deny, to abandon, or maybe even to bury. And Jesus says, when you reject your life, when you abandon your life, when you bury your life, actually new life will come. And so Jesus, who is telling them this story, but why is Jesus telling them this in this last kind of moments with them? Now, I believe if you have been kind of tracking with Riverside um, the last few weeks, specifically last week, we talked about this idea of what biblical love is. And we began to wrap our eyes, our brains around this idea that real biblical love always goes first. And Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to go first. It's right before the cross where Jesus takes the sins of the world upon him before we earned it, before we did anything to actually deserve it, Jesus freely came and laid down, gave his life up for you and for me as a way for us to be brought back into right relationship with Jesus Christ. And in order for this movement, the, this kingdom of God to continue to break forward, he would have to offer up his life so that he could be resurrected. You see, death comes from life. That, that when you give up your life, you actually find what your life was meant to be about. 
And that's what Jesus models for us. He's, he's not only talking to his disciples, but he's talking to us too. He's talking about this old life that so many of us drag around. He says, listen, you can't have new life if you're dragging around and holding on to this old life of yours. The seed, friends, the seed has to end. The seed actually has to die in order for it to become what it was meant to become. You can't have a new life, this new abundant life that Jesus offers by holding on to this old carcass, this dead and dying life that needs to go. You can't keep holding on to an old life and choose the new life that Christ offers for us. And Jesus says, you gotta hate your life. That's a pretty strong word. And I wonder, friends, if he says things like, you gotta hate your life, because he knows just how much you and I love our lives. I don't know about you, but this is a strange season that we find ourselves in, and it's revealed to me just how much I love my life and how I love to hold on to things and hold on to things my way and in my time frame. I mean, just honestly, my schedule has been messed up. I'm sure your schedule has been messed up. Your freedoms have been messed up. Your kids are home with you all the time. And it's revealed something to me. It's taught me something about myself that I have this tendency, this, this, this leaning to be really, really selfish. And Jesus comes along and he says, listen, you can't hold on to this old life and pick up the new life, this abundant life that I am offering. You can't hold on to the life of Jesus and white knuckle your own old life. The seed can't become unless it dies. It has to surrender. It has to trust that it was made for more. To become more than what it is, it has to go into the ground. And this has everything to do with Easter. In fact, it's written, friends, all over the Easter account, the resurrection story of Jesus, this image of life from death, this, this invitation for you and I to find the good life by abandoning, by putting our old life in the ground. It's all there. It's written on all of the pages of the gospel. Firsthand eyewitnesses accounts of the life of Jesus, how he was crucified on a cross, placed in a tomb where he was dead and buried and three days later, he was resurrected. And it's, you can't have this new life that Jesus offers without the old life coming to a close. And I want to read you the story of the resurrection that we see in John's gospel. And pay attention because it's, it's all there. It even talks about Jesus, this image of life coming from death, being buried in a garden tomb. Let's read that together. John 20, we'll start in verse 11. I'll read it to you. Now, Mary stood at the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look at the tomb and saw two angels there, seated where Jesus' body had been, one of them at the head and one of them at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord, she said. And I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. 
and she did not realize that it was him. Verse 15, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Listen to Mary's response. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, where have you put him? And I will go get him. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned her face towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. It says that she thought he was the gardener. It's that image, that death of death and new life, that true love always goes first. And Jesus went into the grave first for us and was resurrected out to extend to you and to me that we, better than chasing some feeling of new again, that you and I can be made new from the inside out. His death is the greatest invitation to the world of new life. If you have been tuning in with us and tracking with our community all year long, we have been going through the book of Romans. And kind of our rally cry for this time is we've said, the greatest book in all of the world is the Bible. And in the Bible, the greatest letter in all of the Bible is the book of Romans. And the greatest chapter in all of the book of Romans is chapter 8. And look at what it says about this to you this morning. Romans 8 verse 11. Listen to this. Catch the power of this. And if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is living inside of you. There is a way where there was no way. Jesus makes all things new. Only Jesus can make all things new. He can take this hardened, self-centered heart and make it soft again. He can take your deepest regrets and longing and bring purpose from them. He can take your plans and your best efforts that have been crushed and redeem them with greater purpose. He can take all of your striving and all of your best effort to measure up, to prove yourself worthy to be loved and say, thanks. Here is my grace for you. He can take even the most difficult, dark parts of our relationships with our families, maybe with your spouse, your husband, with your wife, maybe with your kids, and even, friends, make those new again. That is what Easter is all about, a life from death. And if the tomb is empty, it's God's promise to you that if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. There's only one condition on this morning. There's really only one thing that you and I have to be willing to do. There's only one thing that the seed actually has to do to become more than what it's intended to become. I mean, how many of us 
guys, it would be really sad if, if you brought home like a bag of seeds for your wife and said, look, babe, here, these are for you. No, that's not what they're intended to be. They're intended to be something beautiful. They're intended to be something so much more. The seed only has to do one thing. You and I, brothers and sisters, only have to do one thing. And that's surrender. That's to take the words of Jesus and let them work their way down inside of us. And he says things like, if you want to find your life, you got to abandon it. You got to hate it. You got to experience this, this death in order to experience a new birth. You can't have a new start by holding on to your old ways. It just doesn't work. Anyone who hates their life will find the abundant life. And so as I was kind of thinking and praying for us this morning, um, I found a story from a pastor up in Chicago that I want to read to you this morning that has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning. And it's the parable of the acorn. So let me read that to you right now. Once upon a time, in a land not so far away, there was a kingdom of acorns nestled at the bottom of the foot, nestled at the foot of a grand old oak tree. So picture that, acorns nestled at the bottom of this grand old oak tree. Since the citizens of this kingdom were modern and fully westernized acorns, they went about their lives with great purpose and passion and energy. And since they were midlife kind of baby boomer acorns, they engaged in all sorts of self-help courses and seminars called like getting the most out of all of your shell. And who would you be without your nutty story? There were even woundedness and recovery groups from acorns who had been bruised from their fall from the tree. There were spas for oiling and polishing up their, sh- up their shells and various courses they could take about to enhance their longevity, longevity and well-beings until one day. One day in the midst of this kingdom, there suddenly appeared a naughty little acorn, a naughty little stranger who apparently dropped out of the blue sky by a passing bird. He was capless, and he was dirty, and he was making an immediate negative impact and impression on his fellow acorns. And to make things even worse, crouched beneath that mighty oak tree, he stampered out a wild tail, pointing up to the tree. He said, we are that. Do you see that? That's who we are. Delusional, thinking, obviously, and thinking, delusional thinking, obviously, and one by one, they started to leave him until there was only one acorn left. And he continued to engage him in the conversation. So you tell me then, how do we become that? And the little naughty acorn said, well, he thought about it for a second and he pointed down to the ground. It has something to do with going into the ground, cracking open that shell. And the acorn said, insane. Oh my gosh, no, that's totally morbid. 
Well, if we did that, we would not be acorns anymore. And he said, exactly. Because we, friends, are that. We are more than we think we are. That life comes from death. Friends, brothers, sisters, I believe that you need to hear that this morning. That you are more than you think you are. You are more than the voices in your head telling you about how bad of a parent you are and how you're failing with the kids' school and how you just can't hold it together and you're so quick-tempered with them. You are more than you think you are. You are more than your failings. You are more than what's in your bank account. You are more than the anxiety and you are more than the fear that may be encompassing you in this season. This Easter today, right now, the Easter story is that Jesus promised life, that you better than chasing some feeling of being made new. You can be made new. Where there was no way, Jesus has made a way and he has said, now I want my way to become your way. But it's all got to start with the choice that you and I were meant to be that. That in order for a new life in Christ Jesus to come, there has to be an end. There has to be a death in order for there to be a resurrection. There can be no resurrection Sunday without a crucifixion on Friday because life comes from death. And so this morning, we're going to pause and we're going to consider. We're going to consider just right now, take off the religious hat. It doesn't do anybody any good. Can we be a little vulnerable together this morning? Just in your homes, with your family, with your crew, with, maybe you're watching with your friends this morning. But can we begin to ask the question this morning, is where do I need new life? Where do I need the power of the resurrection? Maybe I have been chasing that feeling of newness for so long, and I've used it as a substitute for the life that Jesus offers. Maybe this morning there, there needs to be an end on fear. There needs to be an end on anxiety. There needs to be a fear, an end on white-knuckling your life and trying to hold it and manage it and keep it all together. Maybe there needs to be an end so there can be a new beginning. Maybe there needs to be that picture of a, something needs to go into the ground and die in order for new life to become. And so this morning, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In our community, when we pray, oftentimes we just kind of turn our palms up like this. And it's just that tangible, physical reminder that we just want to be people that receive from God that we just want to receive all that he has in store for us. And so this morning, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to play one song here in just a second. I'm going to invite you with your family, with your crew, whoever you are gathered with this morning. Maybe you're even by yourself. 
but just to turn your palms up in this position of receiving. And tell Jesus, as we worship, as we sing, where you need new life. Speak that out to him. I believe also there's going to be a lot of us that are going to say, listen, it's not just in maybe one of these different areas, but like the whole thing is not working anymore. This whole thing is, I just, I just need to be made new from the inside out. Tell Jesus that this morning. Believe that re- the resurrection life that Jesus offers is available to you this morning. Turn your palms up and let's receive all that God has in store for us together this morning. Let's do that right now.